0: Good morning everybody. I hope uh, everyone is doing well uh, and don't know what else to say. I'm, I'm, it's awkward for me to talk to a camera instead of to a person or to people and so uh, we'll see how this goes and hopefully it'll go well. Tim has been talking about for the last few weeks, I guess Tim and Mike actually, have been talking about the new normal and that idea came from uh the, the, that phrase being used in society at large right now, as a result of this uh, pandemic of COVID nineteen that we have all been dealing with, and I was excited about this in the future uh, or in the beginning of of the pandemic because I, I could see that this is going to change the way we do things as society. It's going to break up what we're used to, and and things are going to be different. You know, one of the very the very positive things I believe is going to come about it is that we've we've learned to use uh, video conferencing instead of meeting face-to-face. And I've heard multiple people say, hey, now we don't have to drive somewhere, we can just do this vi- remote. Why do we need to meet in the same place and we can save that time? That's a very simple thing, uh, but I, I believe it's a good example of where video conferencing is gonna become more normal for people. It'll be the new normal compared to everybody having to meet together at one time in one place. And I'm speaking of that in, in, in a variety of situations. I'm not speaking about that uh, only specifically with the church. Uh, and so anyway, I believe things are changing. And uh, with the result of that, as a result of that, we've, we've been talking about the new normal. Uh, I don't know if it was just last week or if it's for the whole series. Tim had the verse in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, and verse 6, 17, where it says, Whoever is a believer in Christ is a new creation. The old way of living has disappeared. A new way of living has come into existence. And guys, the truth of the matter is that for followers of Jesus Christ, for those who claim citizenship in the kingdom of God, um, a new normal should should be a... I don't want to say this. We should be continually displaying a new normal. We should be continually displaying uh, a changed way of life. That's what this passage uh, is saying. Okay, a new way of living has come into existence. And normal for us should look drastically different than for the rest of society. For those who do not claim to be believers in Jesus Christ, okay, or do not claim that as their uh, as their primary commitment in life, um, <clears throat> so there we go. Uh, we should be displaying different normals than the non-believing world around us. Uh, the, the, the best example I can have of this uh, is come from our sister Susan Gabir. Uh, I don't know if all of you know her or not. I recommend that you, you get to know her if you get the chance. Uh, she's, she's a very busy individual, but she's a du- assistant director of nursing at a nursing home in Glen Carbon, Illinois. And in the event you didn't know it, uh, at least here in Madison County, in my opinion, that is the real battleground with this COVID-19. Uh, infection rates in, in one nursing home in Edwardsville was 100%. And those workers risk getting the disease, uh, potential death if they have health issues, while watching everyone get sick and people die all around them. Uh, In fact, in the nursing home where Susan works, uh, she had a co-worker in her 60s catch the disease and die very early on uh, after it broke out in the nursing home. But in the midst of this, in this battleground, Susan has displayed an incredible calm. In fact, she was asked by one of her co-workers during uh, this, why are you not freaking out? You know, why are you not seemingly affected by this? And Susan quietly looked at her and, and, and the, the co-worker knows, knows her well and says, well, I think you know. And she just kind of points above, you know, as, as in up to God. As if to say, it's God's influence in my life. You see, normal for Susan, because of her faith, because she's a follower of Jesus, looks different than the normal of her coworkers, And that is, I believe, an incredible example for all of us about the way we are called to be salt and we are called to be light. And uh, there's a couple other passages here uh, that I want to look at uh, that are that are. Incredibly challenging is the best word to use. First, was first one is in Second Timothy chapter three, and verses one through five. It says, but mark this: there will be terrible times in the last day. People will be lovers of themselves, lovers of money, boastful, proud, abusive, disobedient to their parents, ungrateful, unholy, without love. Unforgiving, slanderous, without self-control, brutal, not lovers of the good, treacherous, rash, conceited, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God. And here he sums it all up. Having a form of godliness, but denying its power. Have nothing to do with such people. And guys I believe what he's saying there is that the time was he, he was he was prophesying or predicting, whichever way you want to word it, that followers of Jesus were going to blend in with the world. And there was not going to be anything distinguishing about them, and he sums it all up there in verse 5 where he says having a form of godliness but denying its power. You see guys as a follower of Jesus We have a power that we are to display, okay? This is seen in Ephesians chapter 1 and verse 18 through uh, 21. It'll be in the notes online. Um, And let me read it here for you now. It says, I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you may know the hope to which He has called you. The riches of His glorious inheritance in His holy people, and His incomparably great power for us who believe. That power is the same as the mighty strength He exerted when He raised Christ from the dead and seated Him at the right hand in the heavenly realms, far above all rule and authority, power and dominion, and every name that is invoked, not only in the present age, but also in the one to come. Folks, when you look at those two passages I believe it is abundantly clear that followers of Jesus, citizens of the kingdom of God, are to display a power in their life that is, number one, very clear and radically different than anything you see in the world around them. Guys, I believe that that's what Susan was displaying in her work at the nursing home. And uh, guys, incidentally, just a side note, I encourage you to, to speak to her. Uh, She did get COVID-19, okay? She caught it, and she did not die, praise the Lord. But the circumstances of how she caught it is so moving, to me anyway, that I encourage you to seek her out and ask her about it. Uh, And and She doesn't know for sure it's where she believes, how she believes she got it. And ultimately, guys, it was just displaying the heart of Jesus in extremely difficult circumstances. And so, guys, that power is what we're after. And uh, that's what we're looking at. Guys, for a few years now, I have spoken about this power. And, um, And I've asked for a few years now, is powerful the way you describe your faith, is the way you describe your life, It wasn't for me when I started asking that question. But I made a commitment to learn how to display His power in my life. And I believe that that commitment begins and continues with our prayer life. See, I'm finally getting to my topic. How do we pray powerful prayers? I believe that should be a normal for the Christian. Not only living a powerful life, but praying powerful prayers. Several years ago, uh, someone said that to my wife. the told her, says, I want you to pray for me because your prayers work. And guys, I believe that should be should be said of all of us, that the power of God should be seen in our prayers. And there's some questions I want you to ask yourself as you begin this. And the, the, these are just for you to answer for your own introspection. But the first one is, do I pray powerful prayers? Is that the way you describe your prayers? Okay, now I'm not saying what you say or how you say it, but do they display a powerful faith? Is there powerful results as a result of you praying? Number two, how do I pray? Well, what do you mean by that, Gary? Well, there are multiple ways that people pray. You know, there's one that we like to play. and I believe it's very popular. It's called the genie approach. All right. And that is we are approaching God like a genie that says, grants me my wishes, grants me my desires. Give me what I want. And we couch this in sometimes terms, and I, I I man, I was so guilty of this, especially during the years when I struggled with depression, where I would justify, God, you've promised this. God, you give examples of this. God, this is what you should want. So give me it, give it to me. Okay? Uh, I mean, even with regards to healing other people who are sick, this is what I want. So give it to me. And the challenge with that is we're going to look at is, do we take into view what God wants? Do we know what God wants? You see, guys, our prayers reveal things about us, or they can. They reveal things about our faith. So I ask the question, what do my prayers reveal about my faith? I encourage you to ask that question. Because you will see what your view of God is. And you see what your desires are by examining What you pray. And if you're not praying, that displays something also, but we're not going to get into that today. So, guys, all I want to talk about is two things this morning uh, that Jesus had to tell us about how to make our prayers powerful. I believe there's no human being that had more powerful prayers than our Lord. Uh, It says that he was heard, that God heard his prayers. And we're going to get to that in a minute. Um, but there's two simple things. The first one is that I pray pledging my allegiance to Jesus. Okay? Several, I don't know several years ago, a handful of years ago, uh, Bob Hawkins helped me to see this more clearly. Um, I don't remember the setting. My best memory is that it was here on a Wednesday night and there was a class going on and Bob spoke up. I don't believe it was a Sunday morning. Could have been a retreat. How it happened is insignificant. I didn't even write. That's how you know when something's powerful. Or for me, I know when something is very powerful and it's from God is I don't have to write it down. I just remember it. And with with what Bob had to say, that was the way it was. And this is what he had to say. He says, we don't pray to get God to bend his will to ours. We pray in order to bend our will to His. And I've never forgot that. You know, he, he pointed to the Lord's Prayer where Jesus said we should pray for God's kingdom to come and His will to be done on earth as it is in heaven. And then he pointed to Jesus in the garden where Jesus said, you know, when he was praying for God to change His will. There's nothing wrong with asking God for it. But at the end of the conversation... We need to always end up with a desire, with a pledge that we want God's will done in our lives and not our own. You see, guys, even our Lord struggled with that or even our Lord was tempted with that. But He ended up with, nevertheless, not my will but yours be done. And Bob, I can only thank you for that because it is been part of a transformation in my prayer life and given me focus that I'm trying to share here this morning. Guys, this is how Jesus told us to pray. In John 14, this is what he has to say. He says, very truly, I tell you, whoever believes in me will do the works I have been doing and they will do even greater things than these because I am going to the Father. Here it comes. He says, and I will do whatever you ask in my name so that the Father may be glorified in the Son. You may ask for me anything in my name, and I will do it. I want some of that. I want a whole lot of that where Jesus does what I ask. The challenge with that is he puts one very clear condition upon what we ask for. And that is, he says, in my name. Now, where he tells us that probably affects every one of us when we pray. Because that's how we end our prayers, right? That's the, that's the right way to do it, you know? And we ask this all in Jesus' name. It's like, it's some, we almost, we may not consciously think of it, but it's like it's a formula. You know, we've got to put those words on the end of it. All right. And I'm going to tell you, you don't have to put those words on the end of it. But you do need to display what Jesus is talking about here in your prayer. And what's he talking about? Well, in my name, one way of saying it is in my authority. Okay, a more practical way of doing it is by. He's saying in my name means you agree with me. You're asking for what I would ask for. You see, if you want your prayers answered, you want Him to do what He has promised to do here, we need to make sure what we're praying for is what Jesus wants in our lives. You see, guys, that's the underlying posture that Jesus had when He prayed. That's why in the garden He prayed, nevertheless, not my will, but yours be done. That's what he's saying. He's saying, this is what I want, God. This is what I desire. I desire for you to change these circumstances. I desire for you to change your will, but I'm going to do your will. I'm going I want my will aligned with yours, Father. And it's so cool, guys, because it tells us later in Hebrews, Hebrews, the book of Hebrews, that Jesus was heard because of his reverent submission and that he learned obedience by what he suffered. I bring that up because how many of our prayers are designed to say, God, stop stop the suffering. End it right now. Okay, I've experienced it. Take it away. While at the same time, we pray to be like Jesus and we we see from his word that we are called to be like Jesus, and Jesus suffered. That's what 1 Peter tells us, by the way. It says, because he suffered, we should suffer also. So when we're praying for our suffering to end, our difficulties, our challenges, our trials, that's probably not what Jesus is wanting. That's not his will. Okay? Because he knows there's value in those things. And I, I'm not going to get into all that today. You can look at James chapter 1. You can look at Hebrews chapter 12. Both excellent places that put suffering and difficulties in their proper perspective. You see, His Word tells us that He wants us to be shaped, to be transformed by our difficulties. And so when I, if I ask for God to remove my difficulties... I know that's probably not his will, at least not at this time, until I've learned what he wants me to learn, until I've learned to persevere and become mature as he desires for me to be. And so guys, it's very important in our prayers. I believe that we continually reaffirm our allegiance to Jesus, that we do it every time we pray and we do it repeatedly while we pray. And I say that, that's more about us. Okay, When we're doing that, I believe it's, when I'm doing that, when I'm reaffirming my allegiance to Jesus, he don't need to hear it. (laughs) Okay, He can tell if I'm allegiant to him. I am doing it to make sure I am bending my will to his. And I am, I am, reaffirming my commitment to represent my king in this world. Guys, you want to pray powerful prayers? You pledge your allegiance over and over and over again. Okay? And I say that why? Because the truth of the matter, habits die hard. Transformation takes time. And we need to be committed to that. It's just, like, it's just like dieting or exercise. Okay, Those aren't difficult concepts to understand. They're, and they're not even difficult to begin or difficult to commit to. They're difficult to stay committed to. And staying committed to honoring our king and representing his interests in this world is a challenge that we need to reaffirm every day. See, guys, is my prayer for God's kingdom and specifically those citizens of his kingdom that gather here as the greater Alton Church to pray affirming our allegiance to Jesus on a regular, consistent basis. Second thing, guys, and this this goes hand in hand, but Jesus talked about it, so we're going to talk about it. And that is, if we want powerful prayers, I pray with others allegiant to Jesus. Now, I want to make sure you heard me very clearly. I didn't say, just pray with your best friend. I didn't just say, pray with whoever's in your small group. I said, pray with others allegiant to Jesus. Okay? That is a challenge. I can tell you I've lived a huge chunk of my adult life claiming to be a follower of Jesus, but I was not being allegiant to Jesus. And during those times, I wouldn't have been the person, honestly, you should have been praying with. Not if we want what Jesus has to offer here. Let's look at this in Matthew chapter 18, verses 9 through 20. Or right, how about 19 and 20? Again, Truly I tell you that if two of you on earth agree about anything they ask for, it will be done for them by my Father in heaven. For where two or three gather in my name, there I am with them. There's that phrase again, in my name. And guys, I believe it's uh, an accurate uh, paraphrase of that would be for where... Two or three allegiant followers of mine gather i 'm there with them, and you see guys, he connects these two things of asking okay of two or three of us gathering together and asking for something an agreement with gathering in his name and so guys, allegiance to Jesus is who other allegiant followers of Jesus is who we should be praying with. There's something more powerful about that. Don't ask me to explain it. I can't. Okay, I'm still chewing on this one. I started praying three or more years ago about God, I want to understand this more. And uh, one of the things I've been praying for over and over again is uh, to have experiences, like some of them like you read about in the Bible. Okay? And, And one of those is in uh, the Old Testament, Jacob, who is known as Israel, uh, is on a journey, and he's at a place called that he, he called Bethel. And he has his vision or a dream of, of, of angels ascending and descending. And he, he declares it as uh, the, the gateway to God. Is that what he called it? Something of those nature. And he sets up a pillar, a rock, or an altar to remember this place. Because in his mind, at least, it was considered a sacred place. Okay, and this idea, and you see this all through the Bible: these sacred places where heaven and earth overlap, where God meets you, where you have an under greater understanding of the unseen realm, of the spiritual realm, of the heavenly realm. The first of those is in the Garden of Eden, which Adam and Eve messed up, uh, so we wouldn't we wouldn't get the chance to. Um, Another one that you see is when God tells him to build the tabernacle and later the temple. And you see, his presence was there in the Holy of Holies. And there's this this sacred space, is the best way I know to describe it, and where God is there. And guys, I believe that what Jesus is saying here is that we can experience that sacred space when we're praying with another believer. That's why Jesus is saying, There I am. With you. What if it just happens to be two believers who are followers of Jesus, claim to be followers of Jesus, but really aren't allegiant to him? They're more interested in their will being done than they are in Jesus' will being done. I don't believe you experience that. And so, guys, I'm, I'm encouraging you to seek out and pray with other allegiant followers of Jesus and to be an allegiant follower of Jesus as well. Be that person that others are seeking out. Guys, I believe with all my my heart that if we continually pray as allegiant followers and pray with other allegiant followers, this power that is available to us will be a natural fruit of our lives. We won't have to try to display the power. It'll just bubble out. And so, guys, I, that's all I have for today. So we're going to pray, and we'll be done, and we'll leave you to this. Father, it is exciting for me to think about this. Father, it was exciting when, when, when Tim asked me to talk about this. and uh, Because, Father, it is so clear that I believe you want us to do this. And, Father, I believe it was such a challenge for me. I believe it can be a challenge for others. Father, it, it's very simple. To just pause our prayers, and to say, "I want to follow you, Father. I want to represent you, Father." That's one of the things I didn't mention in my lesson. Is you don't. This isn't something you do just by rote, like you pledge allegiance to the flag of America. Father, there's no one way to say it, and you can even be allegiant to Jesus without mouthing the words, "I'm a pledging my allegiance to Jesus." Father, one of the ways I like to do it is, Father, I I commit that I want to represent you well in this world. I want to be like you. And Father, I know that means so many different things. But Father, it's my prayer that we become those type of followers who are truly allegiant to Jesus, who are not just merely looking for the blessings, looking for the good things, looking for a a pass at difficulty, or looking for a a quick way to... uh, to be at peace but are choosing to be at peace because we trust you and we trust your will and we want your will displayed in our lives Father I thank you that you've made it so plain and Father I ask that you honor this prayer in our lives and in the prayers that are going to be asked and as a result of this lesson Father we all ask this by the authority of our King and the will of our King, Jesus. Amen.